When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. On second and goal, Cousins to the end zone, Thielen! Touchdown! Play action, Cousins digs, he's got it, touchdown! 51 yards! A huge day through the air for the Minnesota Vikings yesterday in a 38 to 20 win. Matthew Collar here, Purple Daily on Score North every day from 2 to 4. And if you are somehow new to the show, then make sure that uh, you catch the entire thing on podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, and uh, give us a rating and all those things. And uh, then you will get lots of football directly into your brain. Here's where we want to start today on Purple Daily is. There are a lot of questions that I came away with yesterday, or a lot of thoughts, a lot of different directions that we could go with the Minnesota Vikings 38-20 to win over the Eagles. And uh, a lot of them came through Twitter of just different um, fans asking, hey, do you think now the Vikings are going 12-4 and or 13-3, and or how good can this team really be? So I wrote them down, and I gave them to Jonathan, who is going to read them to me, Potentially with NFL music behind them. And we will answer those five questions to start. And then we've got Chad Graff from The Athletic, who right now is listening to Mike Zimmer talk at TCO Performance Center. So when that press conference is over, we're going to hear from Chad and get his recap of what Zimmer had to say. And then as we go through the week, we'll have Sage Rosenfels on Wednesday. He is off today. Alex Boone and Courtney Cronin tomorrow. Courtney is going to have to pick the Vikings schedule again. She picked 11-5 and to start the season. Nine and seven last week or two weeks ago, and now we're going to see if she goes back to eleven and five mm-hmm. tomorrow. So she's going to pick the the schedule, and maybe we'll make Alex do it too. Um, all right, let's let's kick into it though. A lot of questions from yesterday, and I want to try to answer all of them in this segment, and then Judd Zolgad will be in the second hour. All right, 
Start us off, Jonathan. So you mentioned a big passing day for everybody involved yesterday for the Vikings. Did yesterday's output prove that that Stefan Diggs was right, that the offense should focus on him and Thielen? 100% yes, it did. Uh, this was a team in 2017 that was largely driven in its success by Stefan Diggs and mm-hmm. Adam Thielen and finding ways to create big plays to those guys, explosive plays down the field. Even though there were times where we said with Case Keenum, uh, Case, what are you doing throwing that ball so many times? Thielen and Diggs just made plays. And yesterday was another great example of that, where the second touchdown catch from Stephon Diggs, maybe it's one of those had to be there to really see it. Because on TV, sometimes you just don't get the full play, the full angles and things like that, because it's a very odd TV angle. And you really don't see things quite of what happened until you look at the coach's tape. But when Cousins threw that ball, I thought it was overthrown. Mm -hmm. And what Diggs had to do was speed up, go full speed as fast as he possibly could, and then reach his arms out to grab it at the very last second. He couldn't have his arms out and let it float into his hands or something like that for an easy catch. He had to snatch it at the very last second. And looking just at other games around the league, so many times that ball goes right through the hands of the receiver because it's an incredibly hard catch. It's over the shoulder. Diggs brought it in anyway. Yeah. Because he has unbelievably good hands aside from one really bad play yesterday where he got hit in the dome and it turned into an interception. (laughs) But aside from that, he has fantastic hands. Him and Thielen can make unbelievable plays downfield. And if their focus is to get other teams to pay attention to Delvin Cook, run play actions, throw it down the field, then they're going to have a lot more success on offense, I believe, than if they were trying to be a run-first offense. Which Mike Zimmer contests that they never were. That he always wanted it to be balanced, he said. Mm-hmm. And yesterday wasn't really balanced. It was mostly throwing, and that's the way that most of the great teams win in 2019. So if Stefan Diggs pressured them into launching the ball down the field more often, then good. And yes, he was right. He went about it the wrong way. You shouldn't skip practice. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to get well, fined $200,000. <laughs> right. And you're not getting traded. So if you wanted to get traded, that wasn't going to happen anyway because of games like yesterday. But was Stefan Diggs right? 100% he was. Win with those two guys and not with your running back. Have your running back finish games for you. Have mm-hmm. your running back burst a couple of big plays. Have him be a big part of the passing offense. But you're going to have to win with the pass. And every once in a while, that's going to mean interceptions. That's going to mean fumbles. It's going to mean mistakes. But you've just got a much better chance if you can put up 300 yards through the air than if you're running for 120. Next question. So I know that they they succeeded in the pass, but it was against an Eagles pass defense that's given up the fourth most amount of yards, only behind the Buccaneers, Giants, and Cardinals pass defenses this year. So do we have to grade this win on a curve because that Eagles pass defense is so garbage right now? I'm going to go with yes and no. I will go with yes because, like you said, they're trash. And they have two backup cornerbacks who had no shot in this world at stopping, especially with the amount of one-on-one man-to-man coverage that they were playing. No chance in this world is stopping Thielen and Diggs. Most good corners don't, much less two jokers who seem to, I mean... They seem to be guys that should be trying out for the XFL at times. 
And I saw Les Bowen, who's a Philadelphia media guy, saying that the Mary Tyler Moore statue was wide open when those guys were trying to guard her in downtown yesterday. It's like, they were that bad, and the defense was that bad, and it was the second stray week of wide open, wide open, wide open throws. At the same time, there were also great throws by Kirk Cousins. There were hard throws by Kirk Cousins. The touchdown to Stephon Diggs is a hard throw. Third and 13 to Adam Thielen on the first drive. The touchdown to Thielen. Those are big boy throws. Those are real starting NFL franchise quarterback type throws that I don't think anybody is stopping, whether it's Sidney Jones or someone who's actually good at football. So um, I'm going to say yes and no. I think the offensive plan was right that you're not not going to use that same plan and throw for 333 yards against the good defense, but can you be explosive at times? Yeah, we've seen open receivers against Chicago, open receivers against Green Bay. The biggest thing, though, that I think could carry over or needs to carry over is the pass protection was really good, and it has not been really good for most of the year until yesterday, and that was a good defensive line. There's no asterisk next to the Eagles' defensive line. They're good. And the Vikings did a great job of finding ways schematically and just with good individual performances of keeping them away from Kirk Cousins. He was only pressured 11 times on 31 dropbacks. If that happens, he is fourth in the league at quarterback rating with a clean pocket. So he's good when he can sit back there. And uh, they're going to need a lot more of that if they're going to be a great offense. Perfect transition there to our third question. Kirk Cousins, 22 of 29 yesterday. 333 yards, four touchdowns, only one interception, though. I think that should be credited to Diggs' face mask. Yes, it definitely should. (laughs) Uh, Was it his best win as the Vikings quarterback? (sighs) This is hard because it's uh, the the best competition for this win is actually another win over the Eagles. His win in Philly last year was very impressive, and he played similarly well. A lot of really good throws. I think last year he was under pressure a lot more. Yeah. But he also made a really big mistake that was his fault, throwing the ball backwards for that fumble. He plays really well against the Eagles throughout his career. If you look at his mm. career numbers against the Eagles, they're pretty outstanding. You, That's interesting. You make that out to an entire season, it's kind of MVP worthy. And I think that the Eagles not changing some of their schematic stuff to go yeah. against this offense. It was like this offense is perfectly set up to beat that defense with a lot of single high safety, and their focus was so much on stopping the run. I mean, congratulations for trying to stop the run. You did it. Three and a half yards per carry. Good work. <laughs> Great job, Eagles defense. Um, what was the question? It was... Uh, was it his best win as the Oh, Vikings his best win. I'm going to say that it was his best win, though, because of the circumstance. Because last year when they beat Philly, um, it was an important win, and, it, and it, it felt like, all right, this team's back on track. But the pressure has been ramped up even more. Uh, after what happened with Diggs skipping a practice, to where I would say that this, in, in front of the home crowd, had the potential to have the home crowd booing Kirk Cousins by mm-hmm. the end if he didn't play well. And if they lost to the Eagles, it would feel like, here we go again. This is going to be just like last year. It's going to be 7-9. and nine. It's going to be 8-8. Eight and eight. The reaction to this game, if Cousins had not played well, would have been so uh, critical of him. I don't know how easy it would have been to bounce back from that. Um, So to be able to quiet everyone for the time being and to be able to calm down all of the tension in that building that existed just two weeks ago was super, super important. And by PFF grades, it was his second best game of his entire career 
And the only one that was better was the 29-29 game in Green Bay last year. I thought he played better in this game than that one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, it was up there. If it wasn't his best game, maybe of his entire career, it was up there. So moving off of Kirk Cousins and over to the defensive side of the ball for the Vikings, should we be concerned that Carson Wentz and the Eagles moved the ball on the Vikings' defense? They had 400 yards on the day for that Eagles offense. Should we be concerned about that? I'm going to say no, because Carson Wentz is really good at football. I mean, his numbers, a traditional box score stats this year, do not match up with what I've seen in the games where I've watched him. Mm-hmm. And I've thought that this is the best version of Carson Wentz I've seen, even better than when he was in the MVP race in 2017. Yesterday, he broke a tackle from Everson Griffin. He made that play at the end zone where he had to dodge in between pass rushers against the Vikings in their building on the road. And I thought he was let down by the referees a couple times. There was a pass interference, pretty clear one, I thought, on Trey Waynes where he grabbed the, I think it was Zach Ertz. He grabbed Zach Ertz's hand and didn't (laughs) let him get it up to catch the ball. And that didn't get called, and Wentz was apoplectic and deserved to be on the replay. It was pretty clear that the receiver's hand was grabbed, and he wasn't able to make a play. Doug Peterson made several of the worst calls in the entire world. One you texted me about that we have talked about I don't know how many times. Stop running up the middle against the Vikings on third and one. It does not work. It was then, right away in the game. These teams are like, we know every detail of everything in the entire world, so don't ask us any questions. Well, did you know the detail that on third and short, the Vikings are the best team in the NFL over the last five years? Why? Because Linval Joseph is there. <laughs> and the guy is a monster, and they shut those down every single mm-hmm. time to hand it off. Was it fourth and one that they handed off or third and one? Like, what are you doing? Having a kicker throw the ball when you have an MVP caliber quarterback? What are you doing? Why would you have a kicker throw the football? Like, that's something. Okay, here's when I respect it. When the Lions were way out of the playoffs last year and it was like week 17. Like, all right, let's have the kicker throw it. This guy will love it. Yeah, this is a great kicker. The rest of the team's (laughs) trash. He's a great kicker. Let's have the kicker throw a touchdown. Good for you, buddy. Not in a road game against the Vikings, especially after you have just intercepted a ball. You're playing with house money. Mm-hmm. I am totally for going for it in that situation because any Madden player would appreciate if you're down two scores and you've got the ball at the end of the half. I mean, you you are as aggressive as you could be because you're going to get the ball right back. We see Belichick do it all the time. That's right. Try to double up. Try to score and then come back. They could have tied the game. And instead, they have the kicker throw the ball. So I thought Wentz outperformed his uh, team around him. Yep. Of course, Jason Peter, Peters going out did not help at all. Uh, Everson Griffin was on him all day. But surprisingly, Doug Peterson undid a lot of good things by his quarterback. All right, so final question here. It's now been three games at U.S. Bank Stadium for the Vikings this season and three very easy wins for the team as they kind of shut out the uh, the opposing team. Are they going to go undefeated this season at home? Okay, so I was looking at this this morning. And I'm trying to find the loss. <laughs> okay. Because I think it's this a is dangerous total, statement. I think this is totally possible. And they lost last year, week 17, against the Bears yeah. at U.S. Bank Stadium. So that does happen, and it could happen again. There's also prime time, which eh, can be mm-hmm. a problem at times. December 23rd against Green Bay. And. I'm yet to figure out how good Detroit is. I'm not sure yet. We'll see this weekend. Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Tonight. Tonight. Yes. 
Do we know when this game is, you and I? Tonight. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I get used to Sunday saying, oh yeah, tomorrow, Monday night game. Anyway, tonight or whenever, <laughs> find it on NFL Game Pass after it happens. Yes. We'll, but we'll have a much better sense for that. Packers in Detroit. That mm-hmm. should be a good one tonight, this evening. Because um, right now, I, I'm not quite sure. They had what looked like a good win against the Chargers, and then the Chargers lost to a third-string quarterback at home, allegedly home, last night. Yeah. Did you see the videos of oh, the Steelers fans? And then you played It's going to look like that against the Vikings, too. That's going to be play, a home game. Then you played their theme song as a joke? Hmm. Yeah, weird. Um, let's go back to the original question, yeah. though. Washington, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, yep. Washington celebrating their one-point victory over Miami <laughs> was... Something. Adrian, that they almost gave up. Adrian Peterson was on NFL Network being interviewed by Deion Sanders. Like, yeah, 100 yards, Adrian. Like, it's against the Dolphins. You won by one. I would expect you to get 100 <laughs> yards against the Dolphins. Oh They're God. actively tanking. They benched Josh Rosen for Brian Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, that's going to be a W, I think. <laughs> Denver is the one that I would say be a little bit wary of because mm-hmm. Vic Fangio is their, is their head coach, and he's the one that really mind-bleeped. Kirk Cousins last year in Week 17 uh, when he was with the Bears. But I think they should still win that game at home against Denver. Then you got the three division games. I say they lose one, but it's possible that they could. It is just an incredible place to play for the Vikings. Part of it is the defense has so much talent, and that always is harder when you're going on the road to face a team with a lot of defensive talent. But there is something about that place that makes people do stupid things. Mm -hmm. Even Sean Payton, another genius. I mean, we could spend all day on this. The dumb decisions that have been made by opposing coaches and quarterbacks at U.S. Bank Stadium when they never do it anywhere else. Sean Payton made the same Linval Joseph mistake in that playoff game. A couple times, if I remember. It wasn't just once. Especially at the end. He had the chance to end the game entirely. and. It's third and one, takes the ball out of the hands of Drew Brees and hands it off. He also had Willie Sneed throw a pass that game. <laughs> he had a wide receiver throw a pass. Don't Why would pretty. you do just, that? Just stick to who you yeah, are. That's right. Stick to having Drew Brees throw the football. Yeah. That There's something about that place that is intimidating. I think the noise is absolutely part of it. Um, that that makes quarterbacks and coaches do very, very bizarre things. Even mm-hmm. how about Matt Ryan this year? Where he's rolling out, and he's got somebody wide open down the field, and he just throws it over the guy. He's wide open. Somebody fell down or something's wide open, just throws it over the guy. Derek Carr starts hearing noises that aren't there, or (laughs) seeing pressure that isn't there, just flings it right to Harrison Smith. There are so many things that happen in that place. Opposing quarterbacks become Kirk Cousins in Chicago when they go (laughs) to the Sphinx Stadium. That's what happens. And that's why I think if we're talking about the... Chances for the Vikings at being a Super Bowl team, mm-hmm. you need to tell me whether they get home field advantage or not. Because if they do, then I think their chances are quite high. If they don't, then they're not. But there's a long way to go in the season. So I, I got a few tweets about, you know, could they go 13 and 3 or 12 and 4? How good can they really be? And like, okay, well, let's just a little, a little break pumping at the moment. Lots of hard games to go. But I will add, before we get Chad Graff on, that the schedule here does not look quite as hard as it looked like three days ago. Mm-hmm. With Dallas losing, Kansas City losing and looking beatable, Seattle still looks really tough, and Los Angeles. Vikings fans, Ooh. book your tickets to L.A. because you can make that place your home. <laughs> All right, Chad Graff, when we come back from The Athletic, he is going to break down um, 
Eric Hendricks, Stefan Diggs, and the things that Mike Zimmer had to say in uh, today's press conference. So we'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. You know, um, not really anything different than he normally does. Uh, he, he got the ball a few more times. They, you know, they left him singled a few times. And, uh, and like I said earlier, you know, they, they had the safety came out of the middle a few times and gave us some opportunities. So, um, you know, when you do that, and, and Kirk made a great, you know, one catch was a great catch, but Kirk made a great throw on it too. All right, that was head coach Mike Zimmer, Matthew Collar back here on Purple Daily, and now joining me from TCO Performance Center, from The Athletic, Chad Graff. What's up, Chad? How are you? Doing well. How are things over there? Uh, Things are fantastic, Chad. Um, I noticed from Twitter that uh, Mike Zimmer is thrilled that Eric Hendricks is ranked second by Pro Football Focus, (laughs) Uh, and I know that Zimmer is always a huge fan of the grades. So what else did Mike Zimmer have to say about the very impressive performance so far this year from Eric Hendricks? I will say, just going back to Kendrick, we've seen you know Mike Zimmer mock PFF before and, and give some funny responses. Today was uh, as animated, good mood type Zimmer as we've seen, like legitimately pumping his fist. Normally, I think when he does this whole PFF routine of, oh, I don't care what they say. What do they know? I'm a football coach. They know nothing. It's kind of tiresome and boring. This was legitimately funny. Uh, and Mike Zimmer does what he often does, which is even when, you know, his best players are, are playing very, very well, he'll he offer some reminders to the fact that it could be going a little bit better. He said that Eric Hendricks, who legitimately had a great game yesterday and is in the middle of a great season, uh, in Mike Zimmer's words, he was a little bit like his rookie self early on in the season with the way he was in some of the coverages. Even the tip pass that Kendricks had that was nearly an interception, I believe, in the fourth quarter, uh, Mike Zimmer's response to that was, yeah, well, the guy he was supposed to be covering was behind him. So uh, in usual, <laughs> typical fashion, Mike Zimmer found a way to uh, find some things to critique, even from some of his best players. Well, I have to say, um, fair enough, and that's, that's the, always the criticism is, well, PFF doesn't know where the guys were supposed to be. Um, even though the Minnesota Vikings, with all 31 other teams, have uh, an agreement with Pro Football Focus to use their numbers. But put that aside, put that aside. I was looking through the PFF scores for this morning, and it really stuck out to me, Chad, that almost everyone on this defense is doing just fantastic. Mackenzie Alexander had a great day yesterday, and we see the defensive ends, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, dominating the NFL, ranking first and third in quarterback pressures. I mean, 
Are we to the point, Chad, where we shouldn't even write any stories about question marks for Mike Zimmer's defense during training camp? Like, put them all off. Let's only focus on the offensive line from here on out. I feel so dumb for having written stories about, you know, maybe things are sliding. Maybe windfall's not what he's going to be. Maybe Everson really is going to take a big step back. Is Kendrick actually like a top five linebacker or a top ten linebacker? Uh, are the corners really going to struggle? This is a, a league in which defenses are built around pass rushers and, and coverage cornerbacks, and the Vikings somehow have very good ones everywhere. Um, the fact that Everson Griffin has risen to this level that he's at now, where you know Mike Zimmer again praised him today for being a team first guy, talked about you know everything that he's done since, in Zimmer's words, he made him a captain. Uh, it is so remarkable. Like we're, we're all talking about Daniel Hunter and how amazing it is that he has more sacks than any player in NFL history who has yet to turn 25. And that is uh, a crazy achievement and one worth lots of discussion and praise. But lost in all of this is Everson Griffin, a guy who I think many people, including at times myself, were ready to write off because of the way last season went, because how it went both on the field and off the field, uh, just didn't think that he had much left in him to the point. I think it's even fair to say the Vikings thought that way. They went all the way down to the wire trying to restructure his deal, where if they didn't get a restructure done, he probably wasn't even going to be back here. So uh, it's not just us who were writing this guy off, and, and now he's out here playing like you know he's three years younger. He legitimately is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And when you can pair, you know, two of the best pass rushers in the NFL with a very good secondary, with great linebackers in Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. Uh, yeah, turns out the defense is still legit. Well, staying on the same topic of things that we shouldn't have questioned, the uh, secondary depth was a big story for us during training camp because Mike Hughes was out, and we all said, well, we don't know how he's going to come back. And he's been spectacular since he came back. And Alexander, we thought, oh, if somebody gets hurt, then they're in trouble. Alexander gets hurt. They haven't been in trouble. Jaron Curse is a player now for this team, played 25 snaps yesterday and has been very good. And, and now they look like not only one of the best pass rushes from the edge, but also one of the best secondaries in the league. And even Xavier Rhodes yesterday gave up a few catches, but overall, PFF gave him only 30 yards allowed through the air yesterday. And, I mean, it, I, I guess I don't want to get to the point where I just say, okay, Zimmer, you've got this. You've, you've figured it out, buddy. I don't need to question you for anything. But we're almost there on the defense because the secondary depth looks great, too, now. We're almost there. I don't feel quite as dumb on this one as I do uh, for the defense on the whole, just because there were training camp practices where, like, Chris Boyd was the third quarterback or the yep. fourth quarterback sometimes. So uh, this one at least, I think, had some more questions to the point where even Mike Zimmer was emphasizing that players needed to step up. Like, But at the same time, it's still crazy to think about. It was just in Green Bay that Nate Meekers was in, like, meaningful games. Uh, and when you think about how far it's come – where you can now rely on Mike Hughes, you can now rely on Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, turns out there are no issues there. And, and Mike Zimmer has earned the benefit of the doubt on the defense across the board, but obviously nowhere as much as defensive backs. Uh, it, it rather, it's insane how, you know, how well he can coach up defensive backs. Jerry Gray certainly deserves some credit, the defensive backs coach. Um, but, <laughs> the defense is great everywhere. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a spot with as much depth as the Vikings have at cornerback. And keep in mind, 
we're two weeks away from Holton Hill returning. Like That's he's right. got a lot of issues off the field that he's going to have to sort out. But when he's on the field, like if you just strictly look at him as a player, he's a starting cornerback on a lot of teams, and he's the fifth cornerback on this team. It's insane. Talking with Chad Graff of the Athletics. So two weeks ago, we think TCO Performance Center of Performance is burning, and Stephen A. Smith is freaking out, screaming at the top of his lungs that Kirk Cousins has stolen the Vikings' money. And uh, up until that point of the Kirk Cousins era, I think it's understandable to have a reaction like that because he was nothing more than the same 500 quarterback he was in Washington. Do we believe, Chad, that he has turned a corner here or when will we believe that? I mean, like we know that they've gotten the offensive system much more tailored to what he can do well. And the three, the throws that went deep, of course, show that yesterday and a lot of the stuff we saw in training camp when they had success, too. But uh, these last two weeks, he just has been on a different level. And yesterday, PFF had it as his second best start of his entire career. So do we have him turning a corner here or is it? well, let's pump the brakes a little bit because these defenses weren't that good. Yeah, first of all, let me express uh, shock that Stephen A. Smith was I know, yelling I know. on TV. I, I'm flabbergasted by that. But uh, I think that at the time, a lot of that criticism was fair. It wasn't just that he was making mistakes against good defenses or in big games because we've seen that before. But it was the fact that he was so hesitant to throw the ball downfield, which um, was the one part of all of that that, you know, was a little bit abnormal and, and did have me and I, I think others questioning whether, you know, he had sort of fallen into this trap of being a checkdown quarterback. And it turns out that is not the case. Uh, I would pump the brakes a little bit on how well he's played. And I, I do think, you know, give Vikings fans credit. I think a majority of them um, are pumping the brakes. And it is, you know, certainly a great accomplishment to have the game that he did uh, against the Eagles, who are a pretty good team. Granted, the secondary was a mess yesterday, both personnel and execution-wise. Um, but, you know, good for him. He, he beat a 500 team. He looked good doing it. He had a very good game. There's no doubt about that. Even his interception was on a great throw. Uh, I, I would just continue to pump the brakes just a little bit because, um, you know, I, I do the other part of this, I, I think that this could continue. I think that the Lions have a good defense, but are beatable and the way that Kirk Cousins has played the last couple of weeks, I think inspire confidence. And then after that, I think you could envision him having uh, a monster game against Washington because for all of his, you know, talk of being sort of a CEO wearing a three piece suit, he has admitted at times that he does feed a lot off of motivation. And, and while he pretends he doesn't see what is said about him or written about him, uh, it's natural that he would and does. So uh, I think he'll have a big game against that. And at that point, like if the Vikings are 6-2 and two and Kirk Cousins has strung together uh, four great games, the you know, I think the hype machine could be really rolling. But I, I do um, – I would stress to just pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see how it goes against Chicago or a very good defense. Uh, but if he can do it against Detroit on the road against Matt Patricia's squad, uh, you know, more props to him, and, and I'll be impressed. Yeah, I really want to see how the Lions perform against the Packers because I feel like these two offenses, the Packers and the Vikings, have some similarities. Of course, the Vikings have better weapons for their quarterback. Aaron Rodgers' pure talent might make up some of the difference. If Detroit can slow them down quite a bit, then I would say, okay, let's let's see how this goes. If Aaron Rodgers has a huge game 
tonight, then my expectation would be that the Vikings go there and put on a good offensive performance. And I think, Chad, that just looking forward here, this was a huge swing win for them in terms of just how the rest of the schedule could play out. Because now there might be a little wiggle room for a loss here or there. They do have two tough road games or three tough road games, depending on what you think of Dallas. you got to go to KC, you got to go to Seattle. Like Those are not going to be easy. If they had lost this game, we would have been looking at it like, boy, can this team even make make the playoffs, and now I think you're setting the bar much higher after this win and being in good shape at 4-2. and two. And I think it even goes beyond that to what it means to the players in the locker room. I was talking to the Eagles writer before the game um, about where things are at, and everybody has all these questions about Stefan Diggs and you know how crazy was it that he missed practice? Can you believe that? Uh, and, and I think one of the things I thought entering that Eagles game was that was a chance for the season to go one of two ways. If they come out and the offense really struggles, Diggs isn't getting the ball, Cousins isn't throwing downfield, Thielen's having a quiet day, uh, Cook is sort of running into his offensive linemen because they're not moving anybody, I think there was a very real chance that you could have seen things quickly go belly up. Uh, on the flip side, the very opposite of that happened uh, Stefan Diggs has a big game. Even Mike Zimmer says today uh, that he thinks that you know Diggs' game could give him a little more confidence that he is going to get the ball, which I think was a rather telling quote from the head coach. So uh, yesterday, I think was a game that really could have dictated where the season you know was going to go. And I don't think it's being too dramatic to say that things really could have been dire had they lost that game. Not in the sense that you know the season was going that they were going to win four or five games, but in the sense that long term it was going to be a problem if you know your wide receivers were still upset and instead Cousins puts out a second uh, very good game in a row you get a very big win um, so I think the temperatures cooled down a bit and you know that was I don't think you can overstate how big of a win that was all right Chad last thing uh, I've been saying now since yesterday that the Vikings need to lean into the Kirk and what I mean is, things aren't going to go right sometimes. He's going to throw picks. He's going to do bizarre things. We know this is on the horizon because this is Kirk Cousins' history. He will fumble. He'll hang on to the ball too long. These things will happen. But I think they need to show as much confidence in him as a passer as they possibly can, especially with the throws down the field, and just live with the mistakes. Because when you try to limit him, when you try to play conservative and treat him like he is... Uh, a journeyman backup or something and oh just throw you know just throw the easy passes and then we'll run the ball i think he still makes the same number of mistakes but you don't get the good parts of him do you think that we will continue to see them lean into the kirk and throw the ball down the field much more often or was this just because philadelphia was garbage no i i do think it's the former i think that it's fair to say uh that Yesterday was Kevin Stefanski's best game as a play caller. He was aggressive. He was calling plays like the one play to Stefan Diggs. Not only is Stefan Diggs wide open, Kevin Stefanski is also sending BC Johnson, who, you know, is suddenly kind of not that bad of a third wide receiver. He's sending him streaking down the field. He's wide open as well. Mm -hmm. This was not the case of just a couple of deep routes or a couple of play calls where, you know, they could get aggressive. This was Kevin Stefanski calling an aggressive game. And to your point, uh, I think that it's no coincidence that some of Kirk Cousins' best games have come when the play call has been aggressive. He called two reverses. He called a double reverse pass where Stefan Diggs was going to throw the ball downfield. It wasn't just Kevin. A little Stavisky too aggressive, aggressive, I think. Kirk Cousins. 
little yeah, too that, aggressive. That one may have been pushing it. Maybe <laughs> I don't think that just a little bit. Uh, but turns out an aggressive game plan, I think, can really work for Kirk Cousins. All right, Chad, great stuff. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to pop on, man. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Chad Graff of The Athletic there. Uh, you can follow him probably at Chad Graff on Twitter. I'll check. Make sure he doesn't have, like, NFL or something. I no, think we checked this Chad. last week. It's just Chad, Chad Graff. Graff. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Some people put Chad underscore Graff or, you know... They, Chad Graff football or something like that. So anyway, well, follow him on Twitter and he writes all of his very good work at The Athletic. When we come back, Kirk Cousins participated in Turbo Snark. Oh, boy. I I know. I can't believe it. He Turbo Snarked and he did it pretty well. We make fun of his personality sometimes and some of the weird things he says at the podium. But he nailed some Turbo Snark and he deserves credit for that. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North Download, brought to you by the 2020 Minnesota uh, Golf Show. You can join Dan Terrar, Callum Williams, Kendra D. St. Aubin, Jamie Watson, and myself this this Sunday for Minnesota United playoff action as they host the LA Galaxy in the first round of the 2019 MLS Cup playoffs from Allianz Field. Pre-game at 7 p.m. with kickoff at 7.30 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app, as we mentioned quite a bit so far today. It was a big day for Kirk Cousins against a winning team through for 333 yards, 22 of 29 for four touchdowns and interception. And it wasn't all positive, according to him. According to him, they still left some plays out on the field. You go where your reads take you, and when Coach calls the play, he's not saying, hey, get it to Digsy. He's saying, read it out. And if anything, he's saying, you know, don't be afraid to take the check down. Don't force it. So, when the way coverage played today, you know, it gave Dick some chances. And we missed a post at the end of the half. You know, he probably could have had four. Also, Adam Thielen could have had a second one today. And I thought the throw was what prevented it from happening. You know, he's got a chance to score, too. So, you know, I feel like we left some out there as well. But because we were able to keep going and be productive, you know, it didn't come back to haunt us. That was your Score North download brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, back here at Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Got to give Kirk Cousins some credit here. Now, he had a great day. It's not his first really good game in the NFL, so... You know, I'm sure that will happen again. It's happened now. He earned $28 million by having some good games in the NFL. So, you know, yesterday was a thing that happens with Kirk Cousins sometimes. That's not what was special. What was special about yesterday from Kirk Cousins was that after the game, he utilized something that we have done here on the show with great success called Turbo Snark. Right. So I just found out about it like 20 minutes ago. Dan Graziano um, talked to me on the field and mentioned it. I didn't even know what he said. I really do, um, you know, stay ignorant, not read anything, and that's for my best interest. But uh, uh, Zach was a teammate in Washington. He's one of the better linebackers I've played with or against. Have a lot of respect for him. And uh, um, you know, if you're trying to write a story about how it was a motivator this week, it, it wasn't because I didn't know about it. 
Sure you didn't, Kirk. That's why other people in the locker room were talking about Zach Brown. Do you have the other one where he also talked about not apologizing to Adam Thielen? Do you have that too? Give me one second. Okay, because there were several snarky instances from Cousins, and he said that very straight. Well, Zach is a uh, a good player and, and a great former teammate, and I didn't even know anything about it. And now he may believe in his mind that he's telling us something that we think is true. Like, oh, I guess Kirk really didn't know. I guess he just found out. I took it as turbo snark, and I respected it as turbo snark, as being like, nah, well, I never heard anything that guy said. So, oh, well, that's a darn shame that I threw for 330 yards during that game. So good for you, Kirk. I mean, it, I guess he would probably say that it was the high road to take, say, oh, I don't worry about those comments. But there is no damn way you could go through the whole weekend without hearing from anyone about what Zach Brown said. It was at the top of ESPN And after the game, Rashad Hill told me that the team was really giving it to Zach Brown at the end of the game. He said, we let him hear it, was the exact quote from Rashad Hill. So, I mean, I guess Kirk was just out there on the field going, "Ah, guys, you are really being hard on this random linebacker. (laughs) Or he uh, definitely knew and decided to go a little bit turbo snarky there. So good good for him on that one. Um, There's something else I was going to say. Oh, I, I loved the fact that Zach Brown revealed how clueless the Philadelphia Eagles were in their game plan. Also, that they thought they were going to go into a game at U.S. Bank Stadium with two backup cornerbacks and just win by having the Vikings pass on them? I don't see how that's a good idea at all. I mean, if anything, teams should be going against the Vikings saying, you know what, if Delvin Cook beats us with running in the year 2019, then oh well then we'll take it. And that's basically what the Packers did and probably what the Eagles should have done as well. They should have said, you know what, we're going to take away these deep passes and that's the way we're going to win. I also respected uh, Kirk Cousins saying, and I'm I'm not sure if you can, did you find that quote? If you didn't, it's okay. But About Diggs? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, about not apologizing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, do you have that one? Okay. And uh, you just go back to work and... and, uh, if anything, what you don't do is start to reinvent the wheel or change something that's worked in the past. Um, you know, when we missed Diggsy on that post at the end of the half. I thought about apologizing to him, but apparently that's not the way to go around here. Turbo so, snark. Turbo snark, Kirk. Are- you know what, Kirk? You throw for 333. You win the game. It's a big game against a pretty decent team. Gets turbo snark after the game. You get to do that. And I will say that the freak out over him apologizing to Adam Thielen, I think, was fair on one hand and not fair on the other hand. Fair that it seemed calculated. It seemed like he's going to do it in a very sterile environment. Not while he's being questioned by reporters, but while he's got it by design, his own podcast show yeah. to go out there and say, Adam, I want to apologize for missing you on that show. Like, oh, okay. And his believability has always been a struggle, I think. Like, is this the real guy or mm-hmm. is it kind of an act? And when he compares himself to a CEO, it tells you a little bit of the way he views himself sometimes as being a little more calculated. And that's how that felt. So when uh, everybody came out and ripped him for it, if they were ripping that part of it, then it's hard to disagree. If you're ripping him for apologizing, well... Of course, you shouldn't do that because players make mistakes all the time and they say that was my fault. When 
Diggs got hit right in the coconut with the ball yesterday <laughs> on a perfect throw. It was a great throw. I was. It was just funny because this is why PFF exists, because they'll grade that throw as a great job by the quarterback mm-hmm. and a bad job by Stephon Diggs, where the box score looks like it was Kirk Cousins' fault. He throws a dime right where it needed to be on third down, and it doinks right off of the visor and goes into the hands of, of course, Andrew Sandejo. That figures. Um, but... Uh, Diggs, after that, you know, said, my bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, players are always saying that to each other. I should have had that one. That's my mistake. And, of course, it was no big deal that Kirk Cousins had said, sorry for overthrowing you on that ball. I need to drop that in there better. It was only a big deal or only notable because it seemed like sort of calculated as a way to shape the narrative a little bit about him as a leader and things like that. And I, I think we are getting to a point where we fully understand exactly what Kirk Cousins is. We never quite know what he's going to say at the podium, and especially since his press conferences go on for, I think that one was like 15 minutes. Is that how long it was? Yep. Which is a lot it seems for a, a press conference. It's especially excessive. a post-game one. It's, that's a lot. Um, so he says a lot of things, and he talks a lot at the podium, and you never quite know what's what's going to come out of his mouth. But you do have a better feeling now of what Kirk Cousins does well, the areas in which he operates at maximum, the areas in which he operates at minimum. And when you're talking about a game like Green Bay or at Soldier Field against Chicago, really good defenses, defenses that have it in their game plan to attack him specifically, and defensive players that the Vikings offensive line can't handle or schemes that the Vikings offensive line cannot handle. Um, That's where Kirk Cousins is going to get rattled. And it's very clear to me that early in games, it matters a lot how you design things for that first drive. There are many games where we've seen Cousins on the scripted plays, which all that means somebody, I saw someone giving Judd a hard time for this yesterday. So I'll explain it because we just say the scripted plays, the scripted plays. What it means is the first 15 or 20 plays, I believe it was Bill Walsh who started doing this first, um, are By design, they're set up, they're going to run those plays as the first 15 or some very close variation depending on situation. But they go over them in practice. These are the plays. These are the answer to the question. They don't just show up on the field and then Stefanski goes, so what do I want to do here? You know, I mean, they've got it ready to go by design and that's the scripted plays. And when Cousins is operating the scripted plays, if they're working, he seems to build confidence in everyone, in his play caller, in his offensive line, in his playmakers. And if it's not working, that's where the hesitation tends to come in. So we've got that sort of down with him. Another thing is, if you can get him easy completions, it seems to help him get a rhythm for the other throws, too. Because yesterday, I thought it was a really, really good job by Kirk Cousins and and by Kevin Stefanski specifically to hit a couple of quick passes early. And and then after that, he just seemed to have great feel for the football, great feel for his throws after he hit a quick, like, five-yard screen. And every once in a while, when the Eagles would start to drop back their corners, you would see Cousins do exactly what worked for them last year with John Filippo and just sling it out to Diggs or Thielen. And you get five or six yards, and it's just a positive play. And it doesn't take a whole lot of effort. It's not a a plus-plus throw. It's not going to make any highlight reels. I think that those help him a lot. 
And then the biggest thing was whatever they did, and I'm excited to watch this back on the game tape to figure it out exactly because it's just hard to see at that angle or the TV angle. But the way that they were able to get the Eagles moving so much on their defensive line away from where Kirk Cousins was. There was one play in particular on a bootleg where Eagles defensive players basically just sort of gave up. Like on the defensive mm-hmm. line, like they ran a bootleg and they were all like, run, run, run. And they went so far away from Cousins that they just sort of stood there and was like, well, we'll see how this plays out. And how it played out was a bomb down the field for a touchdown. And that's where they have it right with Kirk Cousins more than they did last year. And I think that the combination of some of the things that Filippo had and did well with a lot of the things that Gary Kubiak has brought to the table for a long time, combining some of those is where they found the happy medium yesterday and where they need to continue to find that. And then, you know what? Even if the act can be a little hard to believe with Cousins, maybe he's right. If he does have a little bit of Chip on his shoulder from Zach Brown, which I'm sure he didn't hear anything about. Nobody mentioned to him. Of course not. Nope, nothing. He doesn't have the internet, actually. Actually, he he lives in the woods with his $28 million per year that he's built a shack out of. Dollar bills. He went J.J. Watt on it, just built a big old shack in the middle of the woods. It does not have internet, no running water, nothing. I mean, he was growing the beard. The beard, yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, I guess it's possible that he didn't know about it, but I'm not sure how in 2019. So anyway, I give him credit for his for his snark. Uh, and and maybe that helps him a bit, or maybe it helps him more that he played the Giants and Eagles defense. Like, this is where Judd and I are going to talk about this next, of how much credit goes to Cousins, how much credit goes to Stefanski, how much credit goes to the Eagles and Giants are garbage on defense. They are atrocious. So you're doing a pie chart. There could be a pie chart, yes. And also, I've uh, demanded that Zulgad rank the NFC teams. Now that, <laughs> Good luck with that things are starting to play out a little bit here in the NFL. So we'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> it's Purple Daily. You know, I thought we played with a lot of passion, a lot of heart. It's good to see uh, the offense move the ball like they did, starting out the ball game. I thought defensively we played, uh, for the most part, pretty well. We had a couple miscues in there, but uh, overall I was pleased with uh, the way we came out and fought. That is Mike Zimmer back here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad in studio now, Jonathan Harrison producing as always. And I have an exercise for you right off the top of the hour, Judd. Are you prepared? I don't know. What's the exercise? Ready to go. That is to rank the teams in the NFC. I want to know where you have the Minnesota Vikings. So let's rank them. Who is the best team in the NFC? The worst teams don't matter as much to me. But if we can get... The top five, six, seven teams in the NFC. I want to know where you think the Vikings sit. Well, first of all, can I ask that the NFC East be kicked out? Can we just... Yeah, it's not good. Can we just relegate it to somewhere else besides the professional ranks? Yeah, what's weird about that, the NFC East, is how good some of these teams have looked at times. 
and then also how horrendous. Like Dallas? Like Dallas. Which lost to the Jets? The Jets. Which is almost impossible to do in 2019? There was some stat that I saw on Twitter that they had more yards, more time of possession, won the penalty battle, and won the turnover battle, and still lost that game. And they were the first team in like 90 games to lose one where they had dominated all these other parts of the game. But yet Dallas found a way because they didn't know how to pick up a blitz on a two-point conversion, and it seems like they hate their coach. And, of course, Dallas, <laughs> yeah, Dallas is saying, oh, no, there's no hot seat for Jason Garrett. But I don't know how that could not be the case. I mean, when you fall to 3-3 three and three and you lose to a dude who just had mono, um, I think that's a pretty and bad look. By the way, last thing, how does Dan Quinn have a job right now? I have no idea. Arthur Blank seems to be a really loyal dude, but this is excessively loyal. You don't get to be a billionaire by being this loyal. No, probably Like, not. if Dan Quinn ha- had a five. Home Depot in South Carolina or something, Arthur Blank would personally go there and fire him because he'd be dragging it down. The New York Giants have a better point differential than the Atlanta Falcons it's awful. at this point. And, I mean, Arizona is no good, and they just went up and down the field. And if you're a defensive head coach, and this is your defense, you should be fired. Yeah. That's yeah, really pretty simple. All right, so you want my rankings? Let's start off. Do we got uh, NFL music for everything? Oh, we Just don't only have everything. NFL music. We have top top of the line. Yeah. Top notch. It is some of the best. All right, do you want me to start? Yeah, let's start with... I've got um, 10. I've got 10 for you. Do you want me to start at 10 what? and work up or work down? Why don't you start at the bottom? All right. So who is... All right. Number 10, because, well, I guess I've got to include this a division, so I'll give you, a, starting at number 10, the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. So it's basically ten teams that are at very least in the mix here. Yeah, ten teams. You eliminated that all the teams that are already out. Ten teams that I'm not laughing at completely. Okay. Number nine, we saw them yesterday, and boy, they've got some deficiencies in their um, uh, pass defense. But the Philadelphia Eagles, they right? will get their starting corners back eventually, and they're not a dumpster fire. Their play calling was abysmal. Yeah. Their yeah. quarterback though is great. Yeah, I love that guy. Number nine, the Eagles. Number eight, hmm, shocking. Let's see. Defensive coordinators had a whole summer to look at film of this guy uh-huh. and to uh-huh. break down uh-huh. what he did. Where you're going with this? And these people have no lives, so they don't care about their family, so they don't go on vacations. And when, when their wives and kids call, they don't pick up the cell phone because, damn it, they're breaking down film. Well, welcome to National Football League, Sean McVay. Number eight, the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. You would have thought, going into the season after a Super Bowl appearance, that they would still be good. They didn't lose a ton of people. But we saw this with Atlanta, too. Atlanta went to the Super Bowl, had an unbelievable offense, and just naturally, and of course they lost Kyle Shanahan, but naturally things get harder for you. They mm-hmm. don't get easier after you go to the Super Bowl unless you're the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And, and any flaws that your team might have at that point are found out. Number seven, they play tonight, so we'll find out more, but I can't put them in my top five. The Patricias, the Detroit Lions. I think they might be okay, they but might. I can't do it yet. They might. They played a really good game against Kansas City before Patrick Mahomes hurt his ankle. He's been a little bit different since he got hurt in that game against uh, Indianapolis. But I haven't decided yet how I feel about Detroit. That's where I'm at. If they get a win tonight, then I'm going to be talking about this game coming up for the Vikings as a huge, huge game. Yes. And potentially for the NFC North. And if Green Bay wins tonight, then they're still the team to beat. Number six, and this could be debated. But I'm putting them at six now because I need to see at least one more, if not two more weeks. 
the Minnesota Vikings. What does it mean to you that the Vikings have the second best point differential in the NFC, only to San Francisco? It means uh, it means ultimately, in my opinion, that their defense remains very, very good and holds teams down. Again, Matthew, you score seventeen points in Chicago, you win that football game. Yep. Yep. Like that game, that game now. If you had just watched that game and didn't know the score, it felt like, wow, did they lose by uh, 27? Because that game felt so bad. But ultimately, that defense is damn good. So I, I think I think if in a month all of this has shifted to, the Vikings played pretty strong offensively and Cousins was fine, but let's talk about that defense. That's the conversation that the Vikings want us to have, right? Yeah. That's the conversation. The conversation... If you go to Zim and be like, are you excited talking about run-to-pass ratios and Stefan Diggs and Cousins? He's like, hell no. I want to talk about my defense, my pride and joy. It's my favorite kid, right? So who are the five teams better than the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC in your mind? Subject subject to change very quickly. This is all very much week-to-week, heck, day-to-day, but this defense is still very good. Chicago Bears, five. But they could fall below the Vikings very quickly. I just don't know but how much stock to put into uh, the loss to Oakland from Chicago Correct. because it's in London. Correct. It's just weird. And I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. And so I can't comment. It's a weird loss, and Oakland in the game here looked like horse bleep. So that that is subject to change very quickly. But right now, five is Chicago for me. Four is Green Bay. Seattle is three because... Man, Russell Wilson's, Wilson's special. He's calling his own plays yesterday. The headset goes out. He's yep. like, I, no I don't problem. care. I don't care. Hey, yep. you, 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 you. Catch the ball. <laughs> a two, the Niners, but not based on offense, based on defense. They've allowed 64 points in five games. And is this, not, and is this not the year that we expected last year? Oh, totally. Do you remember yeah, that? Oh, the 49ers are going to be really, really good. And, and they might like, have been if Garoppolo hadn't sure. gotten hurt, but that pretty much ended that. But their defense... They, if you draft enough high players on defense, I think the Minnesota Vikings have seen this. You can be good. And then one, much to the chagrin of guys like Rami and much to the delight of guys like Matthew Collar, the Saints. Yeah. I just, listen, it just works. And the guy, no matter what you think about Teddy and how he throws the football and what he does, he wins football games. He, he took a Vikings team that probably had no business being in the playoffs to the playoffs and a missed field goal away from a first-round win in those playoffs. Yep. He's doing it again. If he's healthy, he wins games. Won the Saints. And I didn't even think of the element of Teddy Bridgewater not having U.S. Bank Stadium. Because as we watched Kirk Cousins play yesterday in U.S. Bank Stadium, I just felt like his confidence level was so super high right off the beginning of that game. Mm-hmm. And there have been very few games at U.S. Bank Stadium where it hasn't been. Maybe Week 17 against Chicago is the only one I can think of where he looked really shook, and that was because of Chicago's defense. But he was standing in the pocket. He was making throws. He was rolling out. He just looked comfortable and confident. And you get the noise effect where you know your building is not going to make much noise when you're on offense. You get all your calls out, and you can be in complete control, and there's really not as much chaos as there is on the road. He looks great there. Teddy never had that and still won 11 games playing at a college football yeah, stadium. Exactly. And I think probably Blair Walsh makes the field goal if they're indoors, but I'm not sure about that because I, I saw him after. So I'm not sure about that. That might have been mental. Because he was a mess after that. Yep. All right, let's talk about these. I'm going to go through these one by one. Your teams that are better than the Vikings. Saints, I totally agree because as much as I have a, a great admiration for somebody whose leg almost was lost to injury and then comes back and goes 4-0, and 
Drew Brees is probably, that's not a hot take, a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater because he's one of the great quarterbacks who has ever walked this planet. If they're able to win like this in some ugly games too, not just games where they score a bunch of points, but their defense is good enough, mm-hmm. then I think that they can be and should be the Super Bowl favorite for sure when Brees comes back. That they are a strong defense too. Do you too? think 2019 Brees takes that job back for sure? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Do you think that's a great yeah, idea? I, I think it is. Yeah. He was beginning to fall off last year. I, I love I, him. I, don't yeah, get me wrong. I know. Yeah, that, I know. That to me, and, and your, guy, your guy, Galvin, I, it's just there's some weird dynamics there that I appreciate. If Breeze didn't have those same traits as an incredible leader yeah. and one of the best leaders that's ever been a part of any NFL franchise, then I would say, yeah, that could throw off the locker room dynamic. But we saw Teddy take on the backup role and help Case Keenum and help the wide receivers here. And I think that'll be just fine for him to transition right back into the backup role. Now, if Breeze doesn't play well, then then you've got a conversation because this team is so freaking stacked. Mm -hmm. I mean, Michael Thomas is unstoppable. They've got a great offensive line. They've made a lot of things work. But the defensive side, to me, has been even more impressive what they've done over the last couple of weeks. Because when it's been bad... Oh, with the, the past, Saints defensively, yeah. it's, it's been, been super bad. awful. So I don't disagree with you at all, and I'm projecting going forward that Drew Brees comes back, they get home field advantage, and then it's really on for them. You get home field advantage in the playoffs, especially at the Superdome. Yeah. Uh, your number two is San Francisco. Garoppolo is the one who, he kind of falls into this weird Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins category. Maybe Dak Prescott's there, too, mm-hmm. where each one of them, if you told me the guy threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, would be like, oh, good game. Wow, how about that? If you told me they threw for 120 and three picks and two fumbles, I'd be like, mm, okay, that's probably the thing that can happen. They have the uh, huge variance to their good and bad games. So far, Grapple's been pretty good, but that defense, I think, is going to keep winning. That's the thing about exactly right. Yep. That 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 is the side of the ball that's so strong right now for them. I can't decide how good Seattle actually is other than their quarterback. I don't care anymore. They're the Houston Texans I, I of the NFC. I don't care. The quarterback is so the, damn good. The team is not that good, but the quarterback just makes you good. Yeah. That one Every game. Yeah, that one. So if we if we're trying to plot this out based on how you think they are, uh the the teams are. So you have Green Bay and Chicago both ahead of the Vikings at this moment, yes. but could change even tonight. If Green Bay loses to yeah, Detroit? Yes, my one, two, and three are pretty locked in right now. Yeah. Starting at four, I'm much more wishy-washy. I guess I'm trying to figure out how this is going to go. For the Vikings to either win the division, to be in the playoffs here. We know that one of the NFC East teams is going to win the division. I think the other one is just out of the playoffs, probably. Between Philly and Dallas. So there could be three teams from this division in the playoffs easily, That's I think. what I was thinking. Because the division's really, really strong, but I don't think there's a great team in it. But you have San Francisco and Seattle, 5-0, and 5-1. Oh, and oh, that's another one that could have three. Both yep. of those teams could go that's on to be 11-5. The East and should five. be out. The East should be out. Get the them out. AFC should be out. Oh, yeah. What a joke. Well, let's go to the playoff <laughs> structure where you don't have to take... I know. Let's go to I a know. universal playoff structure. I totally agree. This is This is the thing. I'm starting to feel like... The last couple of games there of the season are going to determine everything with the Vikings. It's where it's going to be the NFC North is going to be won by a half a game because of a tie from the Detroit Lions, or it's going to be won by one game that happened at Lambeau Field when somebody threw an interception at the end on a throw that should have gone out of bounds. I know what you're talking about. Something like that. 
Ignorance is bliss. Either, I have no idea what you're talking about. Either San Francisco or Seattle yep. is taking one of those wild card spots. Who's going to have the other one, and who's going to win the division? That's where it becomes very interesting. Okay, so so my top three are locked. After that, I am not sure of this. Who do you think is going to win tonight? Um, I think Green Bay is because the game's in Green Bay, and that's why. If this game was in Ford Field, I'd probably pick Detroit. Mm-hmm. But the only reason why, and this is not a, a convinced uh, take, but I would pick the Packers based on the fact that I think they, they win because they're at home. Uh, I would say that Detroit traditionally does not play well there, but I don't think what Detroit traditionally does matters right now. Yeah, So I, I just think Green Bay wins. Do you, if you're the Vikings, want Detroit to win or lose? I think the answer is weirdly win. Well, sure, yeah. Yes, on both counts. Why not? It, it helps you immediately. And if they win, it gives them, it gives, uh, yeah. Because it, 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 messes with, it messes with the Packers. That's they fine. drop to being tied yes. with you, except for only a head. And then Detroit's of, confident and you yeah. play them. Yes, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. You but, this is, want, but you're right. This is going to be a complete dogfight. I don't think you want Detroit to be going back to Ford Field desperate. Right. Feeling like they're sliding down the standings and their season's coming apart. And right. then, oh, man, we better beat the Vikings coming in here. Um, all right. I asked, uh, I had Jonathan ask me a couple of questions that have come across Twitter a bunch of times over the last 24 hours or so. How many hours? Yeah, about 24. Since the Vikings kicked the Eagles' ass. Uh, and I want to run some of them by you, Judd. Just about this offense and where we think it's going from here. Like, did we see a fundamental shift yesterday or just a team with no cornerbacks? We're going to be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. It's a fake. Elliott looking to throw. Can't find anyone. Now gets rid of it. And it's intercepted by Griffin. Emerson Griffin. I don't know. Maybe that linebacker popped off, ticked him off. Honestly, I mean... He beat Philadelphia last year. I don't know if they had a winning record at the time, but they had a winning record at the end of the season. So, you know, these stats that everybody's throwing out is just, there's a lot of football left. So we just play them when they're on the schedule, and hopefully we win. So, Okay, so I, if you're going to use those stats about Kirk Cousins versus winning teams, yep. what you have to do yep. is use... His record against teams that finished with a winning record, yes. not at the time. And that's what because they did for the Philadelphia yeah, game last year. Yeah, You're right. Yesterday, after they beat the Eagles, they didn't have a winning record anymore. Which but, was the same. You in, beat them. But that's the same in week five last year. <laughs> right. They were, I believe. They went to four and five or something. Yes. Or maybe they went to five. I, believe, I yeah. believe they were in week five of last year, if I'm not mistaken. They went into that game, and I don't know if they. They had had their bye. But anyway, they had a winning record at the end of the year. So they did what you just said. But you can't now say, you can't say yes or no to his win yesterday until the end of 2019. Right. You have to wait till the end of the season yes. and then. So Zim, in that case, Zimmer is right. Yeah. Good job, Mike. Nailed it. Zimmer got it right. <laughs> Doesn't get a lot right sometimes when it comes to these jobs, but he gets. Got that right. Uh, just looking at where teams rank in passing defense that the Vikings have faced, the Giants are second to last. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles are not much better. They are 29th. The Atlanta Falcons are 28th. And the Oakland Raiders, not a terrible, I mean, this is just pure yards given up, not a terrible overall 14th. 
But okay. they, they, they did have that good game against uh, the Chicago Bears and Chase Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the Vikings' wins right now, so far. The 31st, the 29th, the 28th, and the 14th best passing defenses, or worst, depending on how you look at it. We will see what happens tonight, but Detroit, so far, now they've got to play this game, so this might change. But Detroit has had a very good pass defense so far. Um, in terms of your yards per play, they've been decent toward the middle of the pack for Detroit, um, but they also had to play Kansas City. So we're going to see how they rank after this game against uh, the Green Bay Packers tonight, and then we can kind of figure that out, what's coming up for this team. But Judd, I, th- I think yesterday um, showed us a model that can actually work. If there's a lot of focus on helping the offensive linemen, which I think there was, if they get good performances from said offensive lineman. By the way, we should give Garrett Bradbury his credit. I saw the thing he, he wrote today. He was PFF. good. Wow. Yep, he was good. good it was by far his best pass blocking performance. And I'm going to take a look at that when we get the coaches film at the end of the day today. I'm going to go back and take a look at Rashad Hill and Garrett Bradbury. Why they were so good. It Was it just them or was it something schematic? trying to take shots with Cousins, getting him in rhythm early with quick passes. I think that we're getting it a little bit here with Cousins. But does that mean as they play tougher teams, especially on the road, especially in prime time, that he's going to do what he's done so far to, again, 31st, 29th, 28th, are three of his wins, the ranking of past defenses. Are they going to be able to use this as a sustainable model to throw the ball <laughs> and have Kirk Cousins be the guy who is leading a successful offense, not Delvin Cook? All right. The long answer to that, in my mind, is that is that the, the model that we saw on Sunday, I liked a lot. And, and I think there's elements from that that need to be taken. That being said, though, there are times when, when they're going to have to run more, I think, without question, right? There's times where they're going to have to use Cook more. Uh, there's going to be teams that do what uh, Philadelphia did, which is fixate on Cook to their own detriment in some ways. There's going to be teams that are smarter than that. Uh, but but there were things that they did with Kirk, and this comes back to what we discussed in the embrace the Kirk, embrace the Cousins lean method, into the lean Kirk. into the Kirk. This comes back to that. The, the fundamental building block principles of leaning into the Kirk mean taking the good with the bad, but knowing that by accepting some of the bad, you're going to get the good, which if you don't accept the bad, you're never going to get the good. You're only going to get the bad if that makes any sense. So, quick passes. Get Kirk going early. Deep shots. And guess what? If you miss, a few more deep shots. If you go back now, watch the and go back and watch the Bears tape again. I would be curious how many deep shots were called post Thielen miss there. Because you didn't need a lot, Matthew. You you needed 17 points, Matthew. Not Matha. <laughs> I was like, why did you just get I got, a southern accent? I got very excited there. Because I'm morphing into a football guy. What happened? I got, His buddy Ryan showed up. I'm morphing into a football guy. It's a first down. So you didn't need a lot there. But if you had come back and let's say you had taken two more shots and hit on Jerry one. Glanville. Hey, there's nothing wrong with Jerry Glanville, okay? You, you know what it is? It's my Farf. My, uh, oh, my okay. Farvinian ways. I am too distracted. Should by I text? That. 
Should we take some shots down the field? Absolutely. I think you have to make the rest of the point. Should we take some shots down the field? Like Brett With the Southern accent? Okay, what I'm going to say is this. My friend Kirk Cousins, (laughs) you need to lean into the Kirk, because if you lean into that Kirk, you're going to get the best from Kirk. Yeah. And the Chicago tape, if you go back and watch that, if you watch that tape, if they had, let's say they had gone back there and thrown three more times deep and hit on two of those, that's two touchdowns right there. Will they throw deep? Maybe. Exactly. Should they have thrown deep? Absolutely. So that is that is the answer is awful. to leading into the Kirk. Uh, yeah. Why not? So, um, yes. And that is a great point about Chicago, Brett. Uh, Thank you very much. I played the Bears a lot in my time. The shots were there to be had. Yes. And if you can do enough to convince teams to keep focusing on the run game, in fact, it's almost like Zimmer should continue to come out in the media and say, I didn't like that game yesterday. I want to run the ball more. We need to run the ball next week. But this is where it's going to get really interesting, is to see if they do lean into the Kirk against a better defense. Because the Lions... I don't know how good they are yet, but I do know that their coach has a very, very brilliant defensive mind. He might be a jackass. I'm pretty sure he is. Sure, doesn't matter, though. He can coach defense. Exactly. I agree with you. And what he did to the Rams, they have not been the same since. Whatever he solved in that Rams game last year against Detroit, yep. everyone has copied since then. And the Vikings do a lot of things that the Rams like to do. Now, the Rams did a little more short stuff than the Vikings were doing yesterday where they were throwing it deep down the field. But they solved a lot of those play actions and a lot of those motions and things like that that are designed to throw off defenses. And I want to know what they're going to do to the Minnesota Vikings offense if they try a very similar game plan. Here's my question for you off that off that point, because I I think it goes back to, especially against good defenses, the most important point here. So, play five, first series yesterday. Kirk takes the deep shot for Diggs. He misses. But two series after that, they come back again and say, bleep it. Try it again. It works. Against the Bears, Thielen should have been hit. He was not. And I don't think they then said, you know what, Kirk, that's fine. We're going to try again. Don't worry about it. Do you think that when you're playing Chicago again or Detroit, that that Zimmer especially probably will have the patience to to, as we said, lean into the Kirk and have the ability to say, "All right, he missed and I'm PO'd," but guess what? We've got to try it at least a few more times. I don't think it was the game plan to not try it again in Chicago because there were opportunities to go down the field against Chicago that were just missed by Cousins. It was more Cousins being rattled. And when he went through it in his press conference, in his Wednesday press conference, and said he sped up his reads, that told you everything you needed to know, is that he was looking at the rush because it was dangerous and it was in his face. And they have one of the best players in the NFL rushing the passer. And after the Bears were able to easily penetrate the Vikings a few times, their offensive line, I think Cousins started to say, I better get this ball out or I'm going to fumble or I'm going to die here. And he did fumble, of course. Um, but I think it makes him more hesitant when that happens. I think he holds on to the ball just as long or longer when he gets shaken like that by a defensive line's performance, a pass rush, and anything that's designed to throw him off in terms of creativity on the defensive side. We saw that against the Patriots last year. The Patriots took their defensive end and lined him up over Pat Elfline. And I think Cousins went, what the hell? 
Like, wh- what is going on here? And even the Falcons, they lined up in that bare front where they have three guys over the, the guard in the center. We didn't see that from the Eagles yesterday. No, the Eagles, I we didn't see deception some of the at, game all. Plan at all. It looked like a college defense that just lines up and sort of stands there. Yeah. If you look at the Vikings defense pre-snap, they have people moving all over the place. Yep. And they have Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris uh, going up to the line of scrimmage, dropping back, de- deception. And with Cousins... There was no deception yesterday at all from the Eagles, and I expect that there will be mm-hmm. from the Detroit Lions. I expect that there will be from Seattle when but they Cousins when they play has to them. be in when when that takes place, and it will again. Cousins has to be calmed down too, and you've got to keep going back to Kirk and saying, "Kirk, we need to do this. We yeah. need to do this." If the if the, if the Vikings right now have any games, tough games where they are not constantly coaching Kirk, and I mean constantly, that's their stupidity. He wa- he wants to be and needs to be constantly. He is, it, I've said this a thousand times now, but he is a puppet string quarterback. Like, you have to be working the puppet strings constantly with Kirk. You can't, you can't turn him loose and say, you're a veteran, you know what you need to do, Kirk. He can't do that. He admits to that, basically. So... If Detroit's going to, and I'm sure that they will, come out with different fronts and looks, you need to keep going back to Kirk and, and explaining to him probably what he's seeing. But just as importantly, say, we need to hang in there and continue to take these shots. We need you to do this. Because if you don't, guess what? It's the Bears game again. I also think it's it sounds, so simple. I think it's, it, it's, it, sounds, it sounds like I'm mocking him, but I'm not. He just... His own words tell you so much about how his mind operates. Don't you think that Cousins needs to be thought of as the guy who is the reason that they win, too? That his comments after the Atlanta game were so weird, and even his disposition was kind of weird, where it was like this feeling of, we won, but I didn't really do anything, and I'm the guy that they paid all this much money, and I'm supposed to be the reason we win, and there's several people who seem to feel that way, including Stefan Diggs, that they want to be the reason that they win. Because, I mean, in one way with Diggs, I think Diggs just knows it's smarter. Like Diggs just knows that in the NFL today, you better be the reason that you win in the passing game. Or as this goes along, you're not going to win anything. Mm-hmm. That you have to really hunt hard for outliers to find teams that were super successful that don't have great passing games and that's getting even more leaning toward the passing game than it's ever been and it's really always been this way i went through with you the 70s how the pittsburgh steelers had for the time the most dynamic passing game in the nfl and so they're thought of as being the you know franco harris pounding the football playing steel curtain defense but their passing game was the best in the nfl then it's always been the case you can gain the most yards the biggest plays as we saw yesterday but there's also this psychological element with cousins where it's the games where they've shown confidence in him to air it out seem to be the best version of him i'm thinking about the rams game last year where it was necessary the packers game last year where it was necessary and when Mike Zimmer came out last year and said, Cousins has got to understand, people's jobs are online, he can't turn the ball over, it seemed to have this effect on him where he was a little bit frozen. The opposite of that. Case, because yeah. Case didn't give a damn. No, you could have said anything. Case would be like, case. yeah, Mike, whatever. Yeah, right. Say right. Call it a horseshoe around my neck and yeah, so I forth, and I don't care. Because yellow, this is but the this... only shot I've got. But with Cousins, there seems to be that impact on him when you try to say, 
We want to have Cook be the offense. We want to not turn the ball over. Like, not turning the ball over seems to make him play scared, and then he holds on to it more and turns the ball over anyway. He's the kid that needs reinforcement constantly. But you know what? If that's the only damn way that you're going to win football games, then who cares? Do it. I think it's the only way that he's going to be a a really good quarterback is to just put it in his hands. Yesterday is the Kirk experience. Quick passes, quick start. He feels good. Offense moves. It might not look fantastic at first, but you know what? Good enough. Long pass. It misses. Guess what you don't do? You don't say, well, that's it for that, Kirk. We're packing it up and going home because you can't make that. You say, okay, try the pass again. It works now. But if you can get him off to a quick start, and I really believe, though, the constant coaching becomes important. Because it's the constant affirmation that, Kirk, darn darn it, you're good enough, you're strong enough, you're smart enough to do this. And Kirk looks at you and goes, really, you think so? He's absolutely, <laughs> Kirk, you can do this. I mean, it does. It sounds so stupid, but it's absolutely true. You have to and show him with the play his, calling and the, and the design and the scheme yes, and how you play. But he's smart enough to do those things. It's all about what's between the ears as far as confidence goes. But if you if you sit there in his post-game pressers, you hear a guy who really does need to be told, you can do this, and I know you can. Because he's got the physical attributes. It's, does he have the mental aptitude to do it? And there are times where I think, absolutely, he does. And there are times when it goes south when I think, boy, this is going to be a long day. So do you think this year will turn out differently than last year for Cousins? And I'm going to give you a stat that might make you go, hmm. Answer my question first, then I'll give you the same. Oh, I thought you were going to do both at the same time. Yeah, I didn't give you the right order. Do I think that this year will turn out differently for Kirk Cousins? I think if the Vikings continue to uh, tune into the show, as they they clearly did last week. And read scorenorth.com and download the app. It's free. And take notes. Yeah, and go back and watch the Week 5 game as as you did last week and wrote such a good piece about it. Yes, I think it could. But I still think it starts with defense. Make no mistake, this is about... The defense, but the defense is not the weak mental link, the offenses. So last year, Pro Football Focus ranks all of its quarterbacks, grades every single throw and so forth. We know that. Uh, Mike Zimmer's a big fan. Loves PFF, as he declared today in his press conference. I saw that. Um, <laughs> Cousins ranked in 2018 13th among all NFL quarterbacks. Okay. About where you would rank him, yeah, right? That's very fair. And throughout his career, he's been somewhere between just barely cracking the top ten and seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth. That range in 2017, last year thirteenth. I think we would all agree with that. Where he had his moments, but he also had his down moments. This year, so far, he yep. ranks thirteenth, right in the same exact spot. Okay, he is very much the same Kirk Cousins almost all of the time. But the last. Three out of the last four games with the Chicago one in between, of course, he has been very good, and those teams that he's beaten are not very good at football. Oakland, New York, and Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's going to be a lot of the same where we're going to have weeks that we come away going, what the bleep happened to the quarterback in that game? And there will be throws that we don't understand. There will be fumbles that 
confound us as we walk away saying, why didn't he just take the sack? Why did he decide to run? Even yesterday, there was one where he bounced off a linebacker. You're like, is that a good idea? (laughs) Well, I mean, he looked like a pinball. Maybe you should have slid instead of allowing Nigel Brown to put his head down and smash into your arm that you throw with. Um, So there are always going to be some decisions and some throws and some things that go wrong and some bad games and some good games for him. And when I look at his career... So they use little colors on the PFF website. You got your green. Sure you got Jim your, loves those. I know. You got blue is elite. Great game. Okay. Yesterday was a blue game for Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Then you got your green, where it was pretty good, but some mistakes. Your yellow is oh man. Anybody could have played quarterback. And then your orange and red are oh my god. And he's got, as I am showing you now, a very colorful palette so oh, wow. far this year. Of Whoa, we've got some on. red, we've got some again? yellow, we've got some green. So orange is bad. Orange is also bad. Yes. What's it by Atlanta? Uh, that would be, that's like a greenish yellow. So that's oh, like okay. an okay. That's like an average game. Okay. All right. Now, if I pull up last year, and you could do this with any Kirk Cousins year. Same thing. It is, you could use this in any child's art class. It's a rainbow. Because you have a rainbow. You've got some yep. yellow. You got some orangish red. You got some green. I mean, last year, yep. you have your green games. Philadelphia, Los Angeles. You got your orangish red game, Buffalo. You got another one at Seattle. I mean, there is going to be some times where he doesn't show up, but at least in my mind, mm-hmm. the process can be better going forward than it was last year. And you can get just a couple more in the green and blue and a couple fewer in the yellow and red and end up with a very very good team but we know how to get those games that's the point right like if you had, that's what i mean so is that if the you process looked at that seems array to be of colors and said i just have no clue you're in trouble right from training camp on the process the scheme has at least been right. better now can you continue to manage him as a person correct. the right way correct and here's the thing you still have to accept the bad you're not going so if if you sit down with kirk and say i want to eliminate the backwards passes completely. I want to eliminate the fumbles, Kirk. I want to eliminate all those things. You are hitting your head against a brick wall and you're going to bleed out and die. Okay. But if you say, Kirk, I accept you for you. That means you are going to do some stupid things at some stupid times, but I know how to get the best from you consistently. And I think that the Vikings by now know exactly that. And if they don't do that, that's on them. That is on them, which is why, again, I go back to first and goal at the 8 in Green Bay. That was no time to pull that stunt. You can't ask Kirk to do that. Right. It's too much on Kirk. And by the way, if you do, here's here's what has to go into his, head, his headset on that play. If you're going to do that, if you're going to call that play, what has to go in is any pressure, second row, right side of stadium. Uh-huh. Down to that. Yep. Not throw it away. Any pressure, Kirk, right side of stadium. In fact, I will pick you out a fan in the stands. (laughs) I want that person to catch the ball. That's how you know how to get the best from Kirk Cousins. All right, let's take a little break. There is one thing from yesterday, looking at all the PFF scores and everything else, one thing that I think we might be getting closer to this needs to be addressed. We'll be right back. Mm. Listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North download. Minnesota United opens up the MLS Cup playoffs this Sunday at Allianz Field against the LA Galaxy. And Score North 
We want to send you to the game. All you have to do is have the Score North mobile app, be registered, and enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to this Sunday's game. And don't forget that you can hear this Sunday's game right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app with the pregame beginning at 7 p.m., kickoff at 7.30. Last Friday, Eagles linebacker Zach Brown had this to say about the quarterback he's going up against in Kirk Cousins. Cousins, uh, you know... I think every defense is going to want that guy to throw the ball. Play action. Cousins to the end zone. It is Diggs. His fourth touchdown today. Four touchdowns, 333 yards later. Zach Brown wasn't a happy man. Neither was the Eagles defense. And when he was asked about it in the locker room, Zach Brown had this to say about his cut. About his comments about Kirk Cousins. Do you wish maybe you didn't say what you said about Cousins? I'm here to talk about the game. Not about that. What was a big part of Cousins? Uh... Any other questions besides about Kirk Cousins? How do you think he played today? He did a great job today. He played good. You know, that's awesome. And I can't break that. Doug Peterson to the podium. That's been your score north download. Now back to Purple Daily. Ah, oh, Zach Brown. Uh, by the way. I am very sorry to a lot of NFL fans for something that Doug Peterson did. So you and I were apoplectic oh, I, when the I kicker also mad about threw this. an interception. Now, yes. Fran Duffy, who works for the Eagles website, did a extremely detailed breakdown of why they decided to do that. Later. Oh, so Doug told him, huh? That must be. The look that they got. Yeah. Like, there was a very specific look that they were ready for and they must have had this in the play design everything else which again is asinine uh-huh. to take the ball out of the hands of Carson Wentz who's playing great mm-hmm. and is moving the ball or just not kicking a field goal take your three points go in down 24-13 get the ball back you feel good but it is turning out that some people who had the Eagles kicker in fantasy got credit for an interception <laughs> what <laughs> Wait, what? I will That's teach amazing. all of you to play fantasy. How does that cross over? How does this even happen? <laughs> I, have I thought no he just idea. got kicking points. Apparently not. Some so people... he would have gotten touchdown credit? Yep. Yeah. But some oh. people got credit for an interception from the stupid kicker. What Imagine was... if you lost a game because the kicker <laughs> threw an interception. Well, you know what? Matthew's oh, right. Screw ya. Yep. You deserve <laughs> you it. Deserve so, for playing fantasy. So what was what was the look, though? Oh, man. What, what were the... Because what is ever the look outside of, like, college football so that you say to yourself, our kicker's got yeah, the look? It, there's the couple, passing look. There's a couple different ways of defending a kick you can play the safe way where let's say you put in harrison smith and anthony harris and they are ready for anything like Mm -hmm. if another team has engaged in trickeration let's say then you might let's play this one safe and then there's the aggressive way where you overload one side and you rush six guys from one side and four guys from another side and i think what the eagles saw was on the four guy side anthony harris often sort of went the other way after the kick or while well, the kick was being snapped. So they thought they could fool him and get a guy wide open. Sure. Instead, they did not. <laughs> and he was not wide open, and he threw a hilarious interception and bleep your fantasy team. So was the plan, like, you for, deserve was plan for the kicker to hold the ball as long as possible as well to allow, allow Harris, if he had gone to the other side, to recover in plenty of time and come back and tip said pass? <clears throat> 
Uh, no. I didn't pay to get that's, into that game. That's and because I was that guy is a quarterback and should I never know. be throwing a football. I was offended. Whose though. idea is this? I was offended as a football fan by that BS. It's honestly though, it is a great play. I, I'm watching it right now, just over. Like they realize it very quickly. Trey Wayne's it actually does a really good job of recognizing it right away yep. and dropping back, and then Harris is right on top of the guy. Yes. And there's no other option, which is right. also funny. Like, And then his throw on the run is also funny. He looks like okay, Google, an eighth grader. Google, uh, gosh, what a bad Gario, choice. you premium. Yeah, I know that one. Okay, Google that one and, and watch that. But, um, watch his, but he fumbles because he tries picks, to throw a pass. And picks it up and tries and to throw it And you tell me that it doesn't look very similar with the incompetence yeah, of these kickers trying to bad. make a play. Uh, okay, so I teased something else. Jonathan, you did this to me again. Um, Why did I do it? And now I forgot what it was. What was it? The problem. A problem that oh, the Vikings Oh, yeah, that's right. Have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Even I listen to the show. So, and I'm on it. I know. Why did I get um, this? You have like yeah, two jobs. Easy target. And if it's hot routes, it's three. <laughs> What's your other job? Remember one, teases and what? Jo- job number one is to remember teases. Okay. The other one is the score north download thing. And, well, I guess, like, phoning guests, if we have guests. Yeah. All right, so there's a lot to do. I remember but I need tease. you to pay attention to the teases. Anyway. <laughs> I paid attention. Now you're oh, thanks. a lot. Here's the problem. Yes, sir. In pass protection, yeah. Pat Elfline, by PFF standards, and I think that the eye test would match up with this pretty well is 47th out of 57 qualifying guards who have enough snaps, who have taken like half the total snaps of, you know, whatever, potential for their team. Um, Now, there is some good news that Billy Turner has been horrible for Green Bay, and the Vikings looked into Billy Turner and decided not to sign him, and he's been hot trash. So you missed, I guess, the bullet there. The um, I'll just mention this here, a little bit of turbo snark. Will Hernandez is fifth. Wouldn't want him. Nope. Who's that? <clears throat> Will Hernandez. You remember him at all? Anything he's, about him? Yeah, he's not a pro. William program goes by. Fit. He's not a. He's not, not a he's no, he's guy. No, he's no good. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want him. Mike Hughes is good at football, though. So they they did draft a good player with that pick. It's just that Will Hernandez is indeed good. All right. But, uh, Elf line yesterday. Well, most of the line was pretty good. He graded out at a 34 out of 100 mm. on uh, pass blocking. Mm-mm. So that wasn't good. He's allowed three sacks so far this year, including one yesterday that might have been a miscommunication, but still not good, and has graded below average in every game, pass blocking. I think Pat Elfline, the guard, just does not work, and I don't know what to do about it. Because the center position currently is filled by a first-round draft pick. Klein has been hurt recently. So you got to play Dozier over there. He's not all that great. He's a backup. I mean, he's a guy who can come and fill in, hold down a spot for a day. Yes. He's kind of no different than your Danny Isadora was. You have Brett Jones, who at times has been a decent NFL player, but not for full seasons. But you're getting close to their needs can to Jones be a play change gu- here. Can Jones play guard? Yeah, yeah he can. Guard slash center? The thing is, the, is, what they like about Elfline yep. is that he has the, the mobility, the quickness. He can get out there in space on the screen passes and things like that. But against good defenses, and Detroit has a good defensive line too, they just seem to be taking full advantage of the fact that he is not a guard. I think what he could be is a decent center in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Let's say he's maybe the 15th best center in the league with the potential to be a little better than that. 
But when his first three seasons involve, first season he has the major injury, second season he's recovering from the major injury, third season he's switching positions, it's just been some tough times for him, and that's how it goes. A lot of players will tell you that whether you succeed in the league or not often depends on your circumstance. Right now he is not succeeding in this circumstance. Is there is there a chance that we're about to have a little bit of controversy as far as to who is the starting left tackle for the Minnesota Vikings? I think that that's probably not because of the paycheck, but Rashad Hill was great yesterday. Zero pressures allowed. His pass-blocking ability at this point in his career is probably better than Riley Reeves's, And that's more valuable. That's an interesting statement. That's more valuable than the running. What what I would say is what, make sure that Riley Reef is 100% before you bring him back. Because last year when they brought him back at 50%, it was bad. So you're telling me against Detroit, you start Rashad Hill at left tackle almost for sure. I think I do, yeah. All right. All right. Purple Daily tomorrow. Courtney Cronin is going to pick the rest of the Vikings schedule. Alex Boone is going to break down the 13 wins. Lots going on tomorrow. Mackie Joe with Rami coming up next.